Welcome to the SYA podcast, giving you teachings from the young adult ministry of Shepherd Church, where it's our mission to lift up Christ that the world might believe. We have different gatherings throughout the month. For more info, go to wearesya.com and follow us on Instagram at wearesya. Amen, 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 amen. You all may be seated. How are we doing today? Are we doing well? Some of my students are here in attendance. Um, If I don't know you, my name is Derek Lopez. I work on the youth and young adult team here at Shepherd Church. And I just wanna say thank you so much. Thank you for joining us here tonight on a Thursday night. You could have chosen to be anywhere else in Los Angeles, and yet you chose to be here with us. So thank you so much. So from the bottom of our hearts, thank you. We love you. Raise your hand if you are a regular of Thursday night service. Okay, I see you. Raise your hand if this is your first time ever here at Thursday night service. Welcome. I hope that you can come again. Thank you for joining us tonight. Some of you are probably like, yeah, football hasn't started, so my Thursdays are free. Don't get me wrong. That's going to be me in a couple of weeks, too. Let's go Dolphins. Uh, and some of you are probably like, I want to get that diploma, okay? And so we are here at Shepherd Church. We are concluding a series called Faith University. Everyone say Faith University. And Pastor Dudley started this series because he wants us to have a set of lessons that he believes are essential to having a strong faith in Jesus Christ. And so how many of you have been enjoying the series so far, loving it? One thing I love about Pastor Dudley is time after time, he always has the best sermon series, he always has the best sermons, and I'm just thankful that we all get to be a part of it. Um, And when I think of this series, Faith University, I can't help but think of my time studying. I, uh, I went to Bible college, and I went to Ozark Christian College. I graduated last year. I have a picture of it. That's me and my graduation last year with some of my best buddies. Uh, to the far right is my best friend, Gio. Next to us is our mentor and rabbi, Mac, Mac, ah, Mike Ackerman. And to the left is my good friend, Brandon. He has a church up in New Hampshire. Um, but I graduated last year. That college is located all the way in Joplin, Missouri. Missouri's nickname is Misery because there really, is, <laughs> there really isn't anything to do there. Uh, I got really good at playing video games and really good at reading my Bible. And I promise I read my Bible more than my video games, okay? Um, But I spent about three and a half years there, and going to that school was probably one of the two or three greatest decisions I ever made in my life. And in those three years, I learned how to read the Bible. I learned how to write sermons. I learned that Bible college students are weird, and I am one of those weirdos, okay? But most importantly, I learned about the character of Jesus, and why we should believe in him, why we should obey him, and why we should trust him. But my times at Ozark were not all rainbows and sunshine like that picture. Part of my time at Ozark was actually filled with a lot of doubt and uncertainty. And I doubted that I was called to ministry. I doubted if I made a mistake moving all the way to Missouri. I doubted if I was worthy enough to represent Jesus. And I doubted if I was worthy enough to be loved by Jesus too. But I know that in all of my doubts, I know I'm not alone. How many of you have doubts? Raise your hand. Okay, good. It feels nice to know that I'm not alone. And I think it's safe to say that all of us have doubts about Jesus or what we think he can do in our life or if he really is who he says he is. But why are we like that, Shepherd Church? Why is it easier to doubt than it is to believe? Not just with faith, but in the other things in life too. Is it because we've been hurt in the past? Is it because we've been let down? Is it because we believe that the story is too good to be true? 
is because we're scared of the fact that we can't see everything. One of my biggest fears is the ocean. I'm, I'm very terrified of the ocean. And my big reason why I'm afraid of the ocean is because I don't know what's underneath me. Anyone else? I don't know why I, said, I told my wife, let's go to Hawaii for our honeymoon. Uh, I kid you not, every time I was in the ocean, the whole time, I spent more time looking down underneath the water than actually looking at the view. Because I'm scared I can't see everything. And if you're afraid of those things, I get it. It makes sense. It's hard to trust when you feel like trust has been compromised or broken. It's hard to believe in something when you feel like you don't have enough reasons to believe. It's hard to believe when you can't always see. But if we're being honest with ourselves, have we allowed these wounds to turn into habits? And even more so, have we allowed these wounds to affect the way that we trust Jesus? And if I can ask one more question, it'd be this. What is it deep down inside that is keeping you from trusting Jesus? What is it deep down inside that is keeping you from trusting Jesus? Because if we're not careful, our past, our insecurities, and our wounds can affect the way we trust Jesus. And I believe with all of my heart, I believe with all of my heart, Jesus wants and will continue to give you reasons to believe in him. He will continue to give you reasons to trust in him. And he will reveal that through his word. He will reveal that through experiences. He will reveal that through his church. He will reveal that through his people. But all of those things can easily be washed away when we allow doubt to be the loudest voice that we trust. And I believe this to be true. Our doubts limit who we think Jesus is and what we think Jesus can do. Our doubts limit who we think Jesus is and what we think Jesus can do. But I believe you're probably here tonight because you wanna trust Jesus more, right? I believe you're probably here tonight because you wanna trust a better voice. I believe you're probably here tonight because you wanna take one step closer from doubt to trust. And can I encourage you with this? God is willing to give you what you need to believe. When I look at the Bible, when I look at the life of Jesus, I believe this to be true. God is willing to give you what you need to believe. Not what you want, but what you need. And I don't know how he'll do it or when he'll do it, but I know that he's not hiding from you. God is willing to give you what you need to believe. And tonight in John chapter 20, if you have your Bibles, please turn there, John chapter 20. I want us to see specific encounters between Jesus and some of his friends. And how these moments with his closest friends started first with doubt, but slowly, slowly, slowly turned into faith. Now about 10 days, everyone put your, your hands up. 10 days, do it with me. Do it, don't, don't make me be awkward up here, okay? About 10 days before our main story, Jesus was captured by the Jewish authorities. And he was punished by the Romans for a crime he did not commit. And he was beaten and whipped to the point of almost death, and he was forced to carry his own cross, and he was stripped naked, and he was pierced on a cross that did not belong to him. And in the end, he gave his life so that others could find theirs. And for three days, the Jews who hated him thought that they won. For three days, the Romans who mocked him thought that they silenced him. And for three days, the disciples who followed him thought the greatest story ever told was over. But that's not the end of the story. 
though darkness seemed like it prevailed. On that third day, the stone that the builders had rejected proved to still be standing tall. On that third day, the Lion of Judah was not silenced, but roared in victory. And on that third day, the greatest story ever told did not finish, but simply started a new chapter. See, on that third day, Jesus conquered sin, Jesus conquered the grave, and Jesus brought himself to new life. And he promises that to all who believe in him, amen? But without faith, is that hard to believe? Without faith, that seems impossible, yes or no? I mean, how could it be possible? No person ever in history had ever raised themselves back to life. Maybe you've heard, heard miracle stories of someone else raising somebody back to life, but no one had ever raised themselves back to life. At that time, the Jews believed that anyone who hung up on a cross was cursed and deserved it. At that time, the enemies of Rome were slain and forgotten. And even if Jesus did come back to life, even if he somehow was able to defy all odds and raise again, the tomb that he was buried in, it was sealed by a giant stone that could not be pushed by yourself. And he was guarded, it was guarded by Rome's best elite soldiers, not just some ragtag group. It wasn't just me and my goon friends out there guarding the tomb. But to the surprise of doubt and unbelief from the world and even his closest friends, Jesus overcame it all. Because Shepherd Church, I wanna tell you this, Jesus is not just some good teacher who has good advice. Jesus is not just some good person who does good things. Jesus is not lucky or a liar or a lunatic. No, Jesus is the son of God. And he is the son of God whom all power and authority belongs to. Jesus is the truth that overcomes all doubt. Jesus is the light that overcomes all darkness. And Jesus is the savior that overcomes all odds for you. And so although the grave is stronger, the love of Jesus is so much stronger. And I know that sounds good, but do you believe that, Shepherd Church? Do you believe Jesus still overcomes all odds and all doubt? Do you believe he's worth putting all your faith in? Do you believe Jesus is who he says he is? My prayer tonight is that you'd say yes, even if you don't have all the answers as to why. But as we continue on in our story, on that third day, a lady by the name of Mary, everyone say Mary, Mary Magdalene, a follower of Jesus, who was actually faithful enough to stand with Jesus while he hung on a cross by himself. When all his friends left him and deserted him, Mary Magdalene was faithful to stand with Jesus. But she wanted to check on her savior one more time. She knew that he was in the tomb. She knew that she was, he was dead, but he wanted, she wanted to check on her one more time. And to her surprise, when she shows up, the tomb is empty. And after realizing this, she goes to Peter and John, two of closest friends, and she thinks, she says, I think someone has stolen our Lord. And so hearing this news, Peter and John decide, okay, well, we're gonna head to the tomb too. And so the three of them book it. And I don't know why, but as John is writing this in his book, he decides to say that he's faster than Peter. I don't know why, I think, you know, John likes to think that he's humble, but he's actually not very humble. He has these slight brags all throughout his gospel. And he always makes sure to say this, the one whom Jesus loved the most. Anytime you ever see that in the book of John, that's John. John is a character, but John knows that he's loved by Jesus. And I hope that you know that too. And so the three of them head for the tomb. But honestly, in all of this, who I feel bad for is Mary. Because she's the one running back and forth. She's probably out of breath, but she's following right behind, hoping hoping that maybe they'd find Jesus. 
And Peter and John get to the tomb. John gets there first. And all they see is the stone rolled away and no guards to be found. And the text says that as they crept closer and closer into the tomb, all that they saw inside was the linen and the cloth that they wrapped Jesus in. And so they're probably thinking, so you stole Jesus and you, you stole him naked? Like, what, what, why are you leaving him with, with no clothes? But there in the tomb, they see it empty and they leave thinking to themselves, maybe, just maybe, maybe Jesus really did do it. But Mary waited outside because she was mourning the loss of her savior, but also she was probably gaining her breath back from all that running she was doing. But at this moment, she believed the story is not only over, but the story is ruined even more. But to her surprise, she was greeted by some friends who cared. And it says this in John chapter 20. If you don't have it, it'll be up here on the screen. John 20, 11 says this. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And the two angels asked her, and they said, woman, why are you crying? And she goes and she says, they have taken my Lord away. And I don't know where they have put him. And at this, she, she turned and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And Jesus asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him so, I, so I, I can go and get him. And Jesus looks at her and says, Mary. He says, Mary. Friends, even when we feel like he's not there, Jesus goes out of his way to remind you that he watches over you. And he says, Mary. And she turned and she cried out, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus looks at her and says, do not hold on to me. For I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. And so he sends her out to share the good news. And guess what that means? More running for Mary. But this time she's running with hope and not doubt. This time she's running with faith and not fear. This time she's running because she knows God is with her and not because she thinks he isn't. Friends, God is willing to give you what you need to believe, but do you believe that? So that night she goes and she gathers all of the disciples and she says, I've seen the Lord. I know it sounds crazy, but I've seen the Lord. And I don't know what they were probably thinking to, to themselves. Mary's crazy. Maybe it's all the running she's doing. But she's like, I've seen the Lord. But at this time, the disciples are living in, in fear and in doubt. Fear because they don't want to be crucified the same way that Jesus was for being his followers and doubt because there's no way that anyone could ever overcome all that Jesus had went through. But that very night, Jesus comes and meets with them and reminds them that the story is not over, but also that their job is not over either. What these men and women saw was a miracle. What this was, was Jesus Christ proving to his followers that he is who he says he is. Because guess what? Before he died, he promised them, I would see you again. What this was, was Jesus reminding them that he keeps his promises. That's my favorite attribute about Jesus. 
is that he keeps his promises and he remembers the promises that he tells you. And so I hope you haven't forgotten those promises. But the thing here is that there was someone missing from the group and that someone was someone by the name of Thomas. Everyone say Thomas. And throughout Christianity, Thomas is not known for being the leader of the disciples or the bravest of the disciples or the most obedient of the disciples or the fastest of the disciples because we know that's John. No, unfortunately, Thomas is known for his doubt. What a terrible thing to be known for. And throughout time, people have called this man Doubting Thomas. I don't even know what his last name is, but I know he's a doubter. Do you have friends like that in your life? You just know that they're just doubters. That's Thomas. So why was Thomas not there? Why was Thomas not there with the others? That I do not know. Maybe it was because the crucifixion was too much to bear. Maybe he was scared for his own life. Maybe he was trying to distance himself from the group, or maybe, just maybe, he was trying to figure out what life after Jesus looked like. I don't know why he wasn't there, but tonight, as we look at the story of Thomas, my prayer is not that we'd shame Thomas or that we'd believe that we're better than Thomas, but my prayer is that we'd see ourselves in Thomas. And my prayer is that we realize that the same, Tom, the same Savior that comes to greet Thomas in his doubt is the same Savior that comes to greet us in our doubt too. John 20, 24 says this. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. And so the disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. We've seen him. I'm being serious. But he said to them, unless... Guys, it... This sounds like a good story. But unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and unless I put my finger where the nails were, and unless I put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And it's sad because after hearing about Jesus, and after hearing about the resurrection, the other disciples couldn't wait to tell Thomas, let me fill you in on this amazing news. This was gonna change everything. The way they lived, the way they believed, the way they clung to the words of Jesus, but Thomas needed more. Thomas didn't want an eyewitness. Thomas wanted to be the eyewitness. Has that ever been you? Where you need to see it to believe it. Where you need to feel it to hold on to it. Well, that's where Thomas is right now. And I know Thomas didn't see the empty tomb like Peter and John. And I know Thomas didn't see an angel like Mary, and I know that he didn't see them like the other disciples did. But Thomas felt like the reasons he had for his doubt were, the, were greater than the reasons they had for, his, for their faith. And again, when, when I see Thomas, I realize that his doubt limited who he thought Jesus was and what he thought Jesus could do. It seemed as if all the reasons he had to believe in Jesus just went out the door because of his doubt. See, earlier in the Gospels, Thomas believed in the power Jesus gave him to cast out demons and heal the sick. He did that, but his doubt made him forget that all power and authority belonged to Jesus. Earlier in the Gospels, Thomas heard Jesus say he'd return again, but his doubt made him forget the promise Jesus made him. Earlier in the Gospel, Thomas saw Jesus raise Lazarus back to life. But Thomas' doubt 
made him forget that life ends and life, life, death ends and life starts with Jesus. Hearing about the good news of Jesus was not enough for Thomas to believe. And again, it says this, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, unless I put my finger where the nails were, and unless I put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And you wanna know what's crazy about all of that? Is that Jesus was aware of the conversation that was being made. He was aware of the conversation. He was aware of the doubt Thomas had. He was aware of the demands Thomas makes. And he's aware because he is the son of God who knows all things and hears all things. But although Jesus, bless you, although Jesus is aware, he doesn't choose to dismiss Thomas. Jesus could have easily looked at Thomas and said, sorry, you don't have enough faith for me to show up in your life. Jesus could have chosen to get mad at Thomas Jesus could have chosen to deny Thomas. Jesus could have chosen to do nothing at all. And yet the great shepherd, the savior of the universe, the son of God chooses to meet with Thomas despite his unbelief. Is that amazing? Isn't that encouraging? It says this in verse 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. They finally got Thomas to show up. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. A couple side notes here. I don't know why Jesus chose to wait a week, but I know that Jesus is always on time. The text says that though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. Do you guys wanna know what the Greek word for locked means? It means locked. The doors were literally locked. Why? Because they didn't wanna die. It means it was locked. That means Jesus went through the door. Not kick the door down like the rock. Not unlock the door with the key under the mat. No, he went through the door. And I think he does this because he can. He's Jesus. But he also does this because he knows Thomas is doubting. Thomas wanted a miracle and Jesus came in abundance. Our God comes in abundance, amen? But what this shows me the most, friends, is that in the middle of doubt, Jesus still chooses to show up. In the middle of doubt, Jesus still chooses to show up. And again, he could have chosen to deny Thomas. He could have chosen to punish Thomas. I think that's what we would do. He could have chosen to do nothing at all, but instead he chooses to show up. And I love that because I need that. Because in the times I'm scared, in the times I doubt God, in the times I lack faith, Jesus still shows up in my life. And it's not just for me, and it's not just for Thomas, but it's for all of us. I have a good buddy of mine, and he made a prayer, and he told the Lord, Lord, every time I need you, can you give me a sign? And every time he's low, every time he's hurting, every time he's in pain, every time he's in over his head, you know who comes in? his dog comes in every time. And he told me, Derek, it's because I asked for it. And I asked God, show up. Remind me that you're there. And friends, I want you to know that Jesus shows up in your life. Why? Because he chose you. He doesn't have to, he wants to. Jesus literally tells his disciples five chapters before this, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Before you could ever choose Jesus, 
before you could ever choose faith, before you could ever choose to doubt, Jesus still chose you. And he sees Thomas in his current condition and he does what he believes is best. And I believe Jesus looks at you in your current condition. I don't know your current condition, but I know a God that knows your current condition. And he does what's best for you. Not what you want, but what he believes is best. Jesus wants you to believe in him without the signs, but he also knows that the miracle of today can help you believe for tomorrow. The miracle of today can help you believe for tomorrow. God is willing to give you what you need to believe, which is why he shows up for Thomas. Some of you were brought here today because you saw God do something amazing. Some of you were brought to faith because you saw God do something amazing. Some of you haven't left the faith because you saw God do something amazing. And some of you in this room are praying and begging for God to give you a sign so that you could have faith in him. Wherever you stand, Jesus has and will continue to show up so that you could know that he's worth trusting in. It's okay to pray for signs. Verse 27 says this, Jesus looking at Thomas. He says, Thomas, put your finger here. You see my hands? And reach out your hand and put it into my side. And Thomas, Thomas, Thomas. Thomas, stop doubting, but believe. And all Thomas could say is my Lord and my God. Because sometimes that's just better than I'm sorry. And if my grandma was here, I feel like she'd say, be careful what you wish for. Or be careful what you pray for, because you just might get it. But man, is this a beautiful moment. I wish I could have been there in the room to see it. But what I love about Jesus is Jesus remembered every word Thomas said. Jesus remembered every detail of Thomas's demand and Jesus remembered every doubt Thomas had and yet his faithfulness to Thomas did not waver. When Thomas chose to be faithless, Jesus chose to be faithful. And that's why I believe this, your faith doesn't affect God's faithfulness but seeing God's faithfulness can affect your faith. Your faith doesn't affect God's faithfulness, but seeing God's faithfulness can affect your faith. And as we see here, Jesus loved Thomas. And Jesus' love for Thomas did not waver because of doubt. And I know that to be true because Jesus took on the weight of Thomas' sin. And Jesus took on the humiliation of the cross And Jesus took on a death he did not deserve, knowing that Thomas would still doubt him. Knowing that you would still doubt him too. And what that shows me is that Jesus welcomed his doubt and Jesus loved him in his doubt. But some of us today don't think that's true. Some of us think that isn't the case when it comes to our own lives. Some of us think that when Jesus sees your doubt, that he condemns you for it. And I don't think Jesus condemns you for doubt. I think think he does what he did with Thomas. And he gives you a second chance. And he gives you a sign of his faithfulness. And again, he looks at Thomas and he says, stop doubting and believe. I know you didn't see me like Mary and the others, 
but don't forget who I am and who I've always been to you. In the times you wanna doubt, remember how God has shown up in your life and who God has been in your life. Has he been your light when you can't see? Has he been your rock when you can't stand? Has he been your peace when you can't think? Has he been your hope when you can't believe? Because I know he's been all four for me. And if he has, then the next time you want to doubt, will you remember his faithfulness? And if you feel like he hasn't, can I ask you to ask him to be those things for you? and see how he shows up. Stop doubting and believe. I know your mind and this world and our fears wanna steer us away from trusting Jesus or, or wanna make us paint a picture of Jesus that isn't true. But to counter those voices and those fears that we have, we have to fight that with, with faith. Faith in his word, faith in his words, and faith in his life. Because only faith in Jesus will remind you that there's a lamp to your feet when you can't see the path. Only faith in Jesus will remind you that God works all things together for the good of those who love him. And only faith in Jesus will remind you that there is always life after death. And I'm not just talking about your actual body and your actual life, but in the things that you think are dead, there is always life because that is what Jesus has the power to do. God is willing to give you what you need to believe, which is why he's given you Jesus. But Jesus isn't done with Thomas. Just like love is not complete without grace and truth. Jesus showing up, Jesus answering the demands, Jesus going through the door, all of that was amazing grace and abundance. But now it was time for truth. Because love without truth is weak, just like love without grace is conditional. And he says this in verse 29. He says, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I'm gonna read that one more time. Because you have seen me, you have believed, but blessed, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now I think these words from Jesus are for two reasons. First, it's for the future of Thomas's faith. He tells Thomas, Thomas, you believe me because you've seen me. You believe me because you've felt my wounds. You believe me because you've heard my voice. But blessed, Thomas, blessed is the one who has not seen me and still believes. He gives Thomas every reason to believe and will continue to do so, but he wants Thomas's faith to be in who he is and not just what he does. And second, I think Jesus says this for our faith because he knows we're not in the room. And he knows that we're getting this 2,000 years later. And I think it's safe to say that no one's seen Jesus. Has any of you, have any of you seen Jesus? I haven't seen Jesus. If you've gotten to see him in a vision or a dream, congratulations, I'm jealous of you. But for the most part, none of us have seen him. None of us have seen him. None of us have seen the disciples. None of, them, none of us have seen the works that they've done through the spirit. But you know what we do have? We have his words. You know what we do have? We have the eyewitnesses' words. And every now and then, you know what we do have? We have glimpses of glory 
that God chooses to show us. But for the most part, it's our reliance on faith, our reliance on things that we can't see. There's another famous Thomas. He says this, his name's Thomas Fuller. He says, seeing is believing. And I think that's true sometimes. I'm excited for football season to begin. Are there any Dolphin fans in the room? I like how someone just said no. (laughs) Whatever. Is there any Dolphin fans in the room? Oh, okay, okay. Uh, My wife, my wife's the only one. Good gosh. (laughs) And I'm really excited about this season. And I really think that we can do something. Like, I'm I'm super stoked. But here's the thing. I, I need to see some things to believe it. I need to see my quarterback healthy enough to get us to that point. Oh my gosh, you're still going. I need to see the defense show up. I need to see the Dolphins get me some tickets so I can scout the games for them. Can I get an amen? I need to see certain things to believe certain things. But Jesus doesn't always operate that way. Most of the time, Jesus operates in the believing without seeing And man cannot be frustrating. If you're frustrated about that, clench your fist. It's frustrating. But I want you to know that my life and my faith is so much better because of it. And my love for him is so much better because of it. And I love what Pastor Jeff said this weekend in his beautiful gown. I was gonna pop up in that, but I was like, his degree costs way more than mine, so I'm not even gonna try. But he said this, he said, when I trust only my senses, I'm trapped by my senses. And I believe that is so true because there are mountains you can't see and experiences you won't have if you're trapped by your senses. But there's a full life you can access. There's a complete joy you can find and a trust that is anchored. A trust that is anchored in the storm when you choose to place your faith in Jesus. And Jesus wants you to see that there's a blessing that comes with a faith that cannot see everything. There's a blessing that comes with a faith that cannot know everything. And there's a blessing that comes with a faith that is strong despite not having everything. Friends, you won't always have all the answers as to why you should believe, but you can't have the answer of who you should believe. You won't always have the answers as to why you should believe, but you can have the answer of who you should believe. And I believe with all of my heart, it's Jesus. Because he's changed my life in the greatest way possible. And I hated my life before Jesus. How could a man that I've never seen and never met that died 2,000 years ago change my life so much? I hated the person that I was before Jesus because I had no purpose and I had no joy and I had no hope and I had no confidence, but Jesus gave me those things and he gave me those things in him. And sometimes I think I have plenty of reasons to believe and keep going and sometimes I don't think I have enough. Can I be honest with you? This week I was doubting my sermon. I was like, I don't don't think this is good. I don't think this is enough, but it's not a coincidence, right? That when I'm preaching about doubt, I'm feeling doubt. But you know what kept me going forward? It's my faith and me understanding that I'm not up here by myself. 
You may just see Derek, but the Spirit of God is speaking through me. And the Spirit of God is faithful. And in the midst of my doubt, Jesus still shows up. And Jesus speaks through me and to me and for me. And I'm able to have the words in front of me. But even more so, I'm able to have this because of my faith. And my faith is validated by all the times he shows up and all the times he proves to be faithful. But even more so, my faith is validated the most when I choose my faith over my doubt. But what's keeping you from doubting Jesus? Ask yourself that question. What's keeping you from doubting Jesus? And look at his faithfulness. Look at the ways he's shown up. Look at the ways he's been faithful. Look at the ways he's answered your prayers. Because I promise you that, that is enough. One of the biggest reasons why I believe in God was something God did for me five years ago. I'm 26 years old. And when I was 21, the greatest thing I loved after God was Drake. Okay? the rapper Drake. I'm saved, but I'm not perfect, okay? You guys with me? And at 21 years old, <laughs> everything that I was was embodied by Drake. I, I wanted to look like him. I wanted to sound like him. I used to pick up his mannerisms. I used to pick up his sayings. I used to, when he started dancing in the music videos, I thought, oh, maybe I got a chance to start dancing, okay? And um, again, I was 21. It was, it was 2018. And I was working at Coco's Bakery all the way in Sepulveda if you guys know where that is. I was working at Coco's Bakery and I was a dishwasher and a busboy. And Drake had a concert in the fall. And I told God, because I had heard a message from Dudley, that you just tell God everything. Tell God everything you're feeling. And so I said, okay, as I'm washing dishes, I was like, God, I wanna go to the Drake concert. He said, tell him everything. I was like, I wanna go to the Drake concert. And, and and I wanna have enough money where I buy myself a ticket, where I buy my girlfriend, which is not my wife, my beautiful wife, Monet, a ticket, and, um, and, and merch, because merch is expensive for no reason now. And I told God, we're gonna do it together. And for some reason that summer, I tried saving all summer, but for some reason things kept happening. My car would break down, my family would be in trouble and need money, I, I'd need to eat. And I'll never forget a month before the concert, I'm sitting in a gas station on Rinaldi on the shell right by the, the, the um, 405 freeway. And I'm sitting and I have $2 in my checking account and I have, I have $90 in my savings. And at that time I was driving a gas guzzler. And um, it was Wednesday, I wasn't getting paid till Friday. And I, and I told God, Lord, why is this so hard? You know how badly I wanna do this and I'm sorry if it's stupid. But Jesus, will you help me? And if this is a silly request, I'm sorry. But will you help me? And if you want me to use this money for my gas, then just show me. And if not, show me another way. And I'm crying in my car like a loser. But as I'm crying, I feel this peace over my body. And I feel the Lord say, Derek, use the money and trust me. I said, okay. And so I switched it over and I had a month to raise money. And again, nothing was happening. Nothing was working. And then two weeks before the concert, 
my dad gives me a call, Superman. <laughs> and my dad says, Derek, your sister's birthday's coming up and I wanna get you guys tickets to go see the Drake concert. Ticket, I'm gonna buy your ticket, Monet's ticket and your sister's ticket. And I was like, God is so faithful, he answers prayers. And I'm gonna see Drake, let's go. And, and so we go on Ticketmaster, I'm like, Simone, we need the best seats that money can buy, we need, you know? And so we get our tickets. I said, thank you. Thank you that you hear me. So two weeks show up and we go down to the forum and we, go, we get in, we go through and we're excited and we hear the music and we're getting amped and pumped. And as we, as we step in, someone's sitting in our seats. And so my, my sister's like, Derek, someone's in our seats. So I was like, ah, oh, it's time to be big brother. So I was like, excuse me. Uh, these are, no, I wasn't like that. I was like, hey, actually, uh, I think you're in our seats. And to my surprise, they show me the same tickets. And Migos is going on. I'm like, oh gosh. And so the next rational thing I do is I gotta find the people in yellow, right? Because they know, they know all the answers, right? So I go to the people in yellow. I'm like, excuse me, me and these people have the same seats. Can you help us, please? And they're like, yeah, sure. So they, they, they bring us down. There's, there's four of us and there's four of them. And the eight of us were at the, 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 the ticket place. And the, the, the guy in yellow, he's, he's looking at me and he's like, can I see your ticket? I was like, yeah. And so I show him the QR code and it worked to scan and it worked to get in, but they had the physical bill, like bill tickets. And he's like, I'm sorry, bro, but those tickets are probably gonna go to them. And I was like, no way. And so we go and we're waiting and they go and they hand the tickets back to the people and they go. And they said, I'm sorry, sir, but you've been scammed. And I remember, I remember saying, but Lord, you told me to trust you. You told me to trust you. You know I don't have money for this. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, maybe I'll just put it on my credit card and we'll go up into the nosebleeds. We're already here. And I remember telling God, you told me to trust you. And two minutes, I'm so sorry I'm crying. But two minutes later, they open up the thing. And they said, I'm sorry, sir. But these are your brand new tickets. And they're free of charge. And they're better than the seats that you had before. And sir, I want you to have a great night. And you have fun with your family. And I have a picture I have a picture. I was a lot skinnier and my hair was a lot shorter. <laughs> Monet, I don't know why you married me. <laughs> but you see my face. Everyone was so excited to see Drake. But the only person on my mind was Jesus. <laughs> because Jesus remembered. Jesus remembered. And Jesus was with me in my doubt. In the times where I was doubting Jesus, I need you to show up, I'm raising money and it's not working. Jesus remembered and he was with me in my doubt. And the time I felt denied at the forum and I said an honest prayer, I thought he remembered me. He didn't forget me. So I want you to know that sometimes
sometimes Jesus gives you everything you need to believe. And sometimes he gives you things you don't deserve because he loves you and he wants you to have faith in him. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry I'm crying. You're like, every time Derek preaches, he cries. (laughs) I thought today was gonna be the one day. But that's the faithfulness of God. And if God can show up in a silly thing, like a Drake concert, to a silly boy at 21 years old, how much more does he care for me? And how many more times has he showed up in my life? How many times has he proved to be faithful? And I promise he's doing the same for you too. And so what's keeping you from doubting Jesus? Whatever it is, tell him. Offer it to him. We saw with Thomas, he didn't leave. But will you have the faith? And will you have the courage to believe even when you can't see? Right now I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna close. But before that, there's a baptistry right here. Some of you need to make that decision. Some of you have been waiting far too long. Some of you have seen signs and miracles. Some of you have every reason to just start and give your life to Jesus. Will you be courageous? I know your heart is beating fast. When Jesus is talking to me, my heart beats fast too. But will you make that decision? Some of you need prayer for the big things. Some of you need prayer for the faith. The faith to just show up, faith to just do it. I want you to know I have friends here. I'll be back here too. We want to pray for you. And we want to show you that God is faithful, that God is showing up in your life and God is going to do something good. But there's a voice. There's a voice in your mind called doubt that wants you to believe that you're not good enough for that. Guess what? You don't have to be because Jesus is. There's a voice in your head that tells you, oh, I don't need prayer. No, you do. You're not as strong as you think you are. And there's a voice called doubt in your head that's telling you Jesus isn't listening. Jesus doesn't care. Jesus doesn't love you. Yes, he does. And I know that to be true because of the cross. And I know that to be true because I'm standing because of Jesus. And so I love you guys. Let me pray for you all. Father in heaven, I thank you so much, Lord. And I thank you for your goodness and I thank you for your faithfulness. And I thank you, Lord, that in the times I doubt, in the times where I ask for too much, in the times where I'm not courageous, Lord, you give me every reason to be courageous. And I thank you. I thank you for your faithfulness in my life, but also the faithfulness in their life. And Jesus, even if you just bring us one step closer to faith, Lord, we thank you for that. Jesus, will you bless my friends? Will you help them overcome their doubt, not with themselves and with, with belief in themselves, but belief in you, Jesus? Father, I don't know where everyone stands in this room, Lord, but I know that they belong to you and I know that you care for them, and I know that you love them. I pray that they can see it. And so Jesus, I pray that you would give them eyes to see your love, eyes to see your faithfulness, and eyes to see that even when we doubt, you're still there. Jesus, we love you, we thank you, we praise you, but most importantly, Jesus, we trust you. And Jesus, if we don't trust you, will you help us to trust you? We love you, Jesus. And soon we pray these things. 
Amen. I love you guys. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to the SYA podcast. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram at wearesya.com.